If you've never heard NF before, I'd recommend get a couple of his albums, and then after you listen to him for a little bit and you get depressed, put something else on that's a little happier. <laughs> he tends to be a little depressing for me, but I like NF. I think he's pretty good. The, the reason we use this song is obviously the title of our current series is Outcast, and this, uh, the, this uh, song obviously goes perfect with it. And I was listening to this song, and I want to read you um, some of the lines from it, because I, I don't know if you could understand everything that was being said, but there's a line where he says... Um, he says, yeah, I guess I don't know, or I, I guess I don't fit the mold of rap because I'm respecting women. I heard your record. I was laughing at it. Maybe they would like me if I got a little more graphic with it. Nah, I don't want to blend in with, your little rapping, with you little rapping idiots. I'd rather be the outcast. I ain't never putting out trash. I take a hundred and I staple it right to my tongue. I always put the money where my mouth is. Ah! And then he does that little growl that he does, which I thought was a pretty cool line, you know? But, um, but the reason he writes this song is because typically the rapping industry is not a place that, is, uh, that uh, you see a lot of Christians in. I know that's changing a little bit more nowadays. There's a lot more Christian rappers, actually good Christian rappers that are coming out. But he is, uh, like he's saying in the song, he's like, hey, I don't fit the mold, right? I don't rap about drugs. I don't rap about women, like all that stuff. And, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So the, re the reason we're, we're, I even started off with that is because our message tonight is called Become the Outcast. If you remember, um, let me see, we'll start a couple weeks ago. We started this new series, Outcast, where I preached on the Samaritan woman who was an outcast mostly because she was a Samaritan. She was a woman and she was caught in sin. But Jesus, did Jesus still love her no matter what? Absolutely he did. He, to, to Jesus, there are no outcasts. That's kind of the central idea of it. Uh, the week after, Andrew got up and talked about um, uh, Matthew, the tax collector, if you remember. Back in those days, everybody hated the tax collectors. These were guys that would rip people off. They'd take their money from them. And socially, they were outcasts. People, especially like people who were ripped off by them, they looked at them and they're just like, man, that's a tax collector. And what did Jesus do? Did he treat him like an outcast? No, he went to his house and ate dinner with him, right? To Jesus, there, there are no outcasts. And then Nick, I was gone the week that Nick spoke, but remind me what you preached about. I forget what the topic was. Oh, that's right, the leper, right? So, so uh, lepers back in those days, you, you, would, you could get leprosy very easily just by being with them and, or being around them, but Jesus didn't care, right? He, he, to him, again, there were no outcasts. Now, the first three weeks were all about we as Christians, how we should see the outcast. And tonight we're going to flip it a little bit and we're going to talk about becoming the outcast. Because I don't know if you guys realize this or not, but if you are a Christian in the United States of America, chances are, especially if you stand up for what you believe, chances are people will look at you as if you're an outcast. And the reason I say this is because... Um, we have a very, bold, uh, a very bold claim with being a Christian. Do uh, you got the bottom line back there? Hit that bottom line for me if you don't mind, Burleson. Here's our bottom line for tonight, okay? It is this. When we live on mission for Jesus, we will naturally become outcasts in, did I put industry? In the cultures. I'm supposed to say cultures, my bad. So when we live on mission for Jesus, we will naturally become outcasts in the culture. Meaning, if you live a life for Jesus where you are sold out for Jesus, guess what? People will treat you like an outcast. They're going to look down on you. They're going to say things about you that are pretty mean sometimes. But as we're going to learn tonight, Jesus calls us. God calls us to be the outcast, okay? So I'm going to pray for us real quick, and then we're going to dive into some scripture. So um, let me bow, or bow your heads and let me pray for you. Dear God, thank you for this night. Thank you for everybody that's here. Uh, Lord, this is a topic tonight that talks about... Uh, how we, uh, we, we want to become uh, culturally unacceptable, God. And, and Lord, I know that sounds, um, 
It doesn't sound very flattering. It doesn't sound like something that we should want. But God, the culture and our world are opposed to you. They, they go against what you want, God. And, and Lord, I just pray that we, uh, we can go against that tide. We can go against that current, Lord, and that we can live a life fully for you, even if that means we're looked down upon. So God, be with me tonight. Be with everybody here that's listening. And, uh, and be with the people who might be listening through Instagram right now, God. We love you. We thank you. We praise in your name. Amen. All right, so as always, if you have your cell phone on you or a cellular device, you can go to genoastudents.org, scroll about halfway down the picture, and you'll see a thing that says sermon notes. If you click on that, what that will do is it'll take you to our sermon notes for the night. So all the scripture that we're using, all my main points are there so that you can save it and then look at it again later. And uh, leaders, that's there for you as well. So, All right, so what we're going to do tonight is... Um, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, being this outcast for Jesus, being purposely living a life for Jesus so much that somebody might look down upon you. There, there's a reason that they would look down on you. And what we're going to do tonight is, as we're talking about becoming an outcast, there's something that causes people to see you this way, but then there's a result. And my two main points are the cause and the result. Why, what makes us become the outcast, and what results from us becoming the outcast. So uh, here's what we're going to do is uh, we're going to read Acts 4, 5 to 12. If you don't have your Bible, this will be up on the screens. Um, if you have your Bible, read along with me, okay? So we'll read this and then we'll do our first point. Here it is, Acts 4, 5 to 12. The next day, actually, you know what, before I read, I need to give you some context. So uh, who here comes on Sundays for church? Anybody come here Sunday mornings? Okay, a couple of you guys. Awesome. Thank you, Oliver. I'm glad you come some Sundays. Um, you, if you come on Sunday, what you'll see is that over the last, what, five weeks, we've been going through the book of Acts. And, and I got to tell you, I love the book of Acts. It's one of my favorite books. In fact, I, recently I had been wanting to uh, do it in my, my private study prayer time. And as I was doing it, I was like, man, I need to preach about this. This is really good stuff. And we live in a time right now where I can see the church of Acts happening again. And what I say when I mean that, or what, what I mean when I say that, I'm sorry, is that, is that we're living in a time right now where Christians need to be bold about their faith. Don't you agree with that? We're living in a time where we've got to stand up for what we believe, okay? Because, because a lot of Christians have not stood up, and, uh, and, and culture is leaving us behind, all right? America was founded on Christian principles, right? Everything, all of our laws are technically were based on Christian principles, and we don't seem to be living by those principles anymore, right? You can look around. We've done this before where we look around and we say, what, what's wrong with our country? A lot of hatred, right? A lot of sexual immorality, a lot of murder, a lot of stealing. It's all of these things. And these things are not what Christianity is all about. And so what, when, we're, when I was reading the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4, there's this really cool part where Peter and John, they heal this lame man. Now, the la- his legs were lame, meaning he couldn't walk. He couldn't, uh, he couldn't get up and do anything himself. So he's outside the temple and he's begging for money. He's begging for stuff. And one of the best lines in all scripture is what Peter says to him as he comes and he says, hey, uh, silver and gold have I none, but this is what I have for you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand and walk. So he gets up and his legs are healed, right? Do you think he would have rather like 20 bucks or being able to walk again? Okay, what's the answer? Uh, no, I was going to say that I know I'm not oh. Perfect. I don't think it was. Yeah, this was Acts 4. Um, that's all right, though. You're good. You're good. All right. So, um, so we're going to read this because what happens in, in Acts 4 is that uh, Peter, Peter and John, they heal this guy. And remember, they do it in the name of Jesus, which is what we're going to talk about here. And these people don't like Jesus. 
right? They don't. What did they do to Jesus just pretty recently is they stuck him on a cross and they crucified him. So the fact that these guys are going around doing stuff in the name of Jesus got them a little riled up, okay? So let's go ahead and read Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12. Here it is, ready? The next day their rulers, elders, and scribes assembled in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and all the members of the high priestly family. And they had Peter and John stand before them, and they began to question them. By what power and what name have you done this? Then Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we're being examined today about a good deed done to a disabled man, by which means he was healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing here before you healthy. This Jesus is the stone rejected by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And here's, the, here's kind of the main point of this, uh, of this first section here. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now let's keep that verse up there because this right here is, this is a very, very important verse for the Christian. Okay, let me reread it. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. A couple months ago, we did a series called The Gospel 101, and we talked about this, how this is the most offensive thing you can say to a person, okay? Really. This is, the, or it's one of the most offensive things you can say, is you are saying, this verse is saying, hey, uh, the only way to be saved, the only way to go to heaven, to be forgiven of your sin, is by one person, Jesus Christ, all right? Now, think about what that means. That means that money doesn't get you to heaven. Other gods don't get you to heaven. Like, what do you think a Muslim thinks when they see this? They probably are not, I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bad joke. Let me keep moving on, all right? <laughs> what do you think a Muslim, not that there's one in here with us tonight, but what do you think a Muslim would say to this? The, it's a joke, guys. I'm talking about Rafi, but he's not really a Muslim, all right? Funny story. We joke about him being Muslim all the time, and at kids camp one year, a leader came up. She goes, he's not really Muslim, is he? And I was like... Nope, because he was one of our leaders. So anyways, think about that. This doesn't say, uh, and there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven among, uh, among men by which we must save, that that name is Muhammad, or that name is Buddha, right? Like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus and only Jesus. So let's go to point number one. Here's my first point, ready? Here's what the cause of becoming an outcast is. Uh, point number one. It should be the slide before this. I'm sorry. All right, point number one is, uh, go back, go back. It's the cause, all right? The cause of becoming an outcast in society is when you preach this right here, Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, only Jesus. When you go around making this claim, this bold claim, people are going to get a little ruffled. Don't you agree, Ken? They're going to get a little upset with you, especially people who worship other gods, because they're going to say, hold on, hold on. That's not true. That's not true. And we live in a time right now where, where especially in America, where a bunch of people They'll, they'll say, hey, I believe in my God, that's fine. You believe in your God, that's fine. All roads lead to heaven. It's kind of like my shirt here. All roads lead home to Columbus. That is not the case with heaven, okay? There's one road. There's one road, and that's Jesus Christ. So, guys, the minute you start living your life this way and you start going around and telling people, hey, there's one way to heaven, there's only one way to heaven, of course you're going to get people upset. Of course you're going to become an outcast. Of course people are going to look down on you, Sheldon and Andy. Of course it's going to happen, Okay? And the thing is, though, you have to live by this. This is what makes us an outcast. Now, we, we've been told this lie, especially in this country, we've been told this lie that there's a ton of things that can get us to heaven. We, we've talked about uh, before how the United States is the most 
It's the most prosperous nation in the history of mankind, okay? There is no other nation that is wealthier than the United States. There's never been a nation that's been wealthier than the United States. And what comes with that is a lot of people say, ooh, a lot of people have built their own wealth. A lot of people have, uh, they've kind of gotten to where they are based on their own merit. And a lot of people say, I don't, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. I did this myself, right? People who have money, they think it's money that makes them happy, right? People who have great jobs, they think it's a job that makes them happy. A lot of you guys probably think that your boyfriend or your girlfriend will bring you complete and utter happiness. Guess what? Not true, all right? Someday your boyfriend's going to do something. Someday your boyfriend's going to do something. Not you. You're perfect, all right? But, but someday your boyfriend will do something that you're just going to be like, this guy's a jerk, all right? Someday your girlfriend's going to do something. You're going to go, man, she just doesn't, oh, man, you know? You're going you're gonna, to, you know, the new video game comes out, and you go, man, this brings me sheer, unadulterated happiness. And then a month goes by, and you go, mm, it's okay. Does anybody still play Clash of Clans? Really? <laughs> of course you do, Oliver. All right. Do you guys still play? Okay, good for you. Good for you. All right. But here's the thing. These things, these things just, they lose their value. They don't keep you happy. In fact, the Bible tells us that, that the own, like, nothing man-made makes, keeps you happy. Nothing man-made keeps you happy. It's the eternal thing, which is God, that gives you complete and utter happiness. And it doesn't go away. Now, now this is a lie that we've been sold uh, by the devil, and it's a lie that, that, that people don't want to hear, right? People don't want to hear the truth. People don't. Don't you think people would want to hear the truth? But, but, but let's be honest. A lot of people don't want to hear the truth, all right? Think about the husband who his, her wife, his wife comes in, and she goes, does this dress make me look fat? And the husband goes, well, it's not the dress that makes you look fat. It's you, right? Like, you would never, you would never say that to your wife, all right? And your wife doesn't want to hear the truth. She doesn't want to hear that, Okay? I remember uh, a, a, a middle schooler came up to me once and said, Pastor Matt, I'm good at recorder. And I said, no, you're not. And she goes, yes, I am. Do you want to hear it? I was like, I don't need to hear it. Recorder's the worst instrument created in, the, in human existence. Who agreed with me? I did. Oliver, yes. Yes. It's the... Yeah, yeah. It's... Thank you. It's the worst instrument. Okay, there's no worse instrument than recorder. When this girl offered to play it for me, I said, uh, I'm busy that day, you know? And so that's the truth, right? Uh, my dad, listen, guys, listen. When I was a kid, I told my dad that I wanted to be an astronaut. I think I've told you this before. I said, Dad, I want to be an astronaut. And he just goes, and I said, what? And he goes, you really think you got what it takes to be an astronaut? And I said, what do you mean? He was like, you know, you know I mean, are you smart enough for it? And he was like asking me these questions. I mean, and I said, good point. So I played guitar. <laughs> I learned guitar. But, but the thing is, my dad was being extremely honest with me. And guys, think about it. A lot of times we don't want to hear the truth, right? We don't want to hear the truth. And in the same way, guys, people don't want to hear the truth about Jesus, okay? Because this is the most offensive thing you can say to somebody. Think about the claim that comes with telling somebody that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Think about it, okay? That claim, because that means that you got to change every other aspect of your life, right? you got to change everything. If, if what Jesus said is true, then you have to change everything. Now, um, let, let's move on to the second point. So that's, that's the cause, right? The cause is, if you become an outcast in society, the reason is because you are claiming that it's Jesus, only Jesus, all right? Jesus, only Jesus. Now, here's the result. Go ahead and hit the second one. The result. The result is Christianity spreads, Okay? Christianity spreads. Guys, when we as Christians live life on mission and we do what the Bible tells us to do and we preach Jesus, only Jesus, there's no other way for true happiness than Jesus, only Jesus. This crazy thing happens is Christianity spreads. It spreads like wildfire. 
This is why I love the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, you'll see that there are these ragtag group of guys, okay? Jesus was crucified, killed on a cross. And here's, here's the crazy thing. Back in these days, these guys were like, I've got an idea. You know, this Jesus guy is really starting to get a following of people. He's starting to, these people are really starting to love Jesus. We've got an idea. Let's, let's accuse him of blasphemy. Let's nail him to a cross. Let's crucify him. And if they see what we're doing to their leader, guess what will happen? They'll stop talking about it. That They're going to forget all about this Jesus guy. They won't remember him anymore, okay? Now, if you read the book of Acts, you'll know that the complete opposite happened. Jesus died on a cross. He rose again. He hung out with the guys for 40 days, all right, after three days of being dead. He hung out with them, and he says, hey, here's, here's my mission for you. Spread the gospel. Go tell everybody what I did here for them. Go tell everybody. No matter how much they killed the early Christian church, no matter how much they threw them in prison, how many times they persecuted them, it spread like wildfire. That doesn't make sense. You've seen that YouTube video? That don't make no sense. You ever seen that YouTube video? You know what I'm talking about? Why? You never seen that? Okay, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't even know about every YouTube video you watch. No, it's the, the girl. The girl, she, or the mom says, hey, we're having a baby. And he goes, that don't make no sense. All right, look it up. It's a great video. Darn it. I'll have to show that video next week, all right? But guys, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that, Chris, that, that a cause would spread like wildfire when you kill its leader, when you humiliate its leader. But guys, we're, we're not talking about a normal thing here. We're talking about a supernatural God. And it spread like wildfire. In fact, um, how many of you guys ever heard of Stephen in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of Stephen? All right. Uh, now, there's not much about Stephen that we know, okay? We, we only know a couple of things. Uh, go ahead and put Acts 6-5 up there. Now, I'm going to butcher these names, so don't laugh at me if I do. But um, what happens is the apostles are, they're, they're doing ministry. They're going around. They're doing these healing works. They're doing all these great things. And, and it hits them that a lot of people are like, hey, we need to be served. Like, apostles, we need you to come and serve us our food and all this stuff. And the apostles are like, hey, listen, I, we don't have time for that. We're preaching. We're going out. We're doing all these great things. We're, we're praying. Let's, uh, let's find seven other guys, and we'll let them do it, okay? Now, one of these seven guys is Stephen, okay? And listen, before this, we don't know if he has a family. We don't know if he's married, if he has kids. We don't know really anything other than what we're going to read right here, okay? Acts 6.5. So they propose this to the whole company. Essentially, they're saying, let us pick seven people who are going to do all the the little work like that so that we can preach and and keep going. And it says this, they chose Stephen. Listen how they describe Stephen. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, uh, Nicanor, Timon, I looked that up, that is how you say it, Timon, all right, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Now, what's funny about this, do you guys know who Ricky Gervais is? He's the guy who started the British office, and then it became the American office. But Ricky Gervais would host the Golden Globes, and while he was doing it, he would just roast people. And it was great, because everybody likes to see Hollywood actors roasted, right? So I'm watching, and he's just roasting these actors. And uh, he's getting ready to present, uh, or to get the next two presenters on, which happened to be uh, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks. Now, you guys know who this is Woody and Buzz from Toy Story, okay? So they, they did Toy Stories together. And Tom Hanks, if you don't know anything about Tom Hanks, he has been in a slew of movies, okay? And really good movies. And then Tim Allen had a TV show, and that was about it. And then Toy Story, right? He didn't do a ton of stuff. But Ricky Gervais, it's funny because he's roasting these people, and he has his index card, and he goes, 
And he's British. He's like, my next two guests, he goes, my first one has been in movies such as Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, Big, Saving Private Ryan. And then he goes, and my other guest, and he flips the card over, he goes, uh, Tim Allen, everybody. <laughs> and then they come out, and Tim Allen's like, what the heck, man? And what's funny is Luke does that same thing here where he goes, um, he goes, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, a man with the Holy Spirit. Oh, and Philip, uh, Prochorus, and then the other guys, right? Isn't that funny? Like Luke looks at, he clearly thought a lot about Stephen here. He didn't say anything else about the other guys, but Stephen, man, this is a dude full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And here's why he did this, okay? If you know anything about Stephen after this, you'll realize that he was the first person who willingly gave up their life for God. It's called a martyr. You, you are a martyr when you give your life up for something, okay? And in this case, he gave his life up for God. He's the first martyr recorded in Scripture. So what happens is they come in, they, they have this argument with him, and, and literally he goes through the whole history of Israel. He says, okay, here's what happened. You know, God created us, and then Abraham, and then Moses came in. He goes all throughout the history of Israel, and then at the very end, and he goes, and you guys crucified him. You guys, you're killing the prophets that God is sending. Shame on you. He called them a stiff-necked people. He's like, you're a stiff-necked people. You're arrogant. You're cocky and all this stuff. Do you think they liked that? Nope. They took out rocks and beat him with them, okay? What's so funny, Andrew? That's not funny. <laughs> they took out, guys, they took out rocks and they beat him, okay? And as they're beating Stephen, he's sitting there and it says that he looks up to heaven. And, and as they're beating him, the Holy Spirit comes over him and he goes, he goes I, I, I see the, the face of, of God and beside him to the right hand is Jesus Christ. And as they're beating him with these rocks, he's literally, the life is leaving him. And the last thing he says is, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Could you imagine? Could you imagine being beaten to death by somebody and then praying for that person beating you to death? No way, man. I, I remember one time I was swimming in a swimming pool at a, winter, at a summer camp, and these kids were like, hey, get in the deep end. And I said, okay. So I swim in the deep end, and then six of them jump on top of me. Parlo boys, it might have been you. This was years ago, right? So they jump on top of me. I'm in the deep end, and I don't know if you guys have ever been close to drowning, but I was, getting, I was being close to drowning. I couldn't, there was nothing underneath me. And I was just like starting to take in air. And I was like, these kids were killing me, literally. Do you think I prayed, God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Nope. I elbowed them in the face, straight up. I, I was like, <laughs> and I was like punching kids. And finally, I came out of the water. And my wife, God bless her, was standing right there at the edge. And she grabbed my hand. She was like, get off them, guys. I was like, get off me. Like, I was freaking out. But guys, I was, I was being murdered by these children. I call it murder. I was being murdered by these kids. And I was not praying for their souls. <laughs> I was very upset with them, okay? Guys, Stephen was the complete opposite. These guys were intending to hurt him. They were intending to embarrass him. They were intending to humiliate him. And what did he do? He was, how Christ-like is that, to pray for the souls of the people that are beating you to death? And he did it. What, I mean, guys, th this is the reason Luke said that Stephen is a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. The only way you do that is if you're full of the Holy Spirit. You can't do that on your own strength. You have to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's crazy about this is if you look in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 4, uh, the main character of the book of Acts comes in, and it says, uh, uh, go ahead and put this up on the screen, Acts 1, or 8, 1 to 4, it says, Saul agreed with putting him to death, which is, this is crazy because Saul, who later becomes Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, this guy was instrumental in Stephen being stoned. It said that he held the coats of the people who went and beat them with rocks. So he was a part of it, right? It says, Saul 
agreed with putting him to death. On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Now, let me reread that because that's very important, okay? On that day, a severe persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles, all except the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Devout men buried Stephen, and they mourned deeply over him. Saul, who later becomes Paul, however, was ravaging the church. He would enter house after house, and he would drag off men and women, and he'd put them in prison. And here's the important line here, verse 4. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Let me tell you why this is very significant, okay? Is Stephen, you might not know this, all right, but based on what we read here, Stephen, he was not some big-time preacher, okay? He wasn't some big-wig preacher of a big megachurch. He literally was a guy that they chose to feed all the other Christians that were around. That was his job. Yet, he got the honor of dying for Christ. The thing that I love about this passage is when you look at this and it says, uh, in, in verse 1, it says, when, when this persecution broke out, it said that all the apostles and disciples, while they stayed in Jerusalem, everybody else spread out. And verse 4 tells us that when they spread out, they were scattered, they went on their way preaching the word. How was it that the word was spread throughout all of Judea and Samaria? Was it by the big-time preachers like Peter and John? No, it was by unnamed people who were scattered. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. There's a guy named um, Tyndale, right? There's a book company or a, a publishing company named after him. But this dude translated Bibles and everything. He was this big deal. Everybody knows Tyndale, right? Or at least, at least scholarly people. Well, what they found out was that Tyndale, they burned him at the stake because they thought it was wrong to translate Bibles into different languages. So they burnt him at the stake. Tyndale had led a guy to Christ. I don't even remember his name. That's how unknown he is. But the guy that he led to Christ owned a bunch of different shipyards, and he made it his goal to make sure that the Bible gets everywhere in the world. So he stacked up Bibles in his ships, and he sent them on their way. Now, Tyndale, gets, uh, he gets credit for this, right? Because he was the one who was burned at the stake. He's the famous guy. The dude who owned the shipyard doesn't get the credit for it. But he was just as instrumental, if not more instrumental, wasn't he? And then when we hear about these, these people who were scattered to go preach the word, these are unnamed people. These are not preachers. These are not people who are, are preaching to thousands of people. These are unnamed people who did what God called them to do, and that was preach Jesus, only Jesus. And they went everywhere. If you, who in here has seen Lord of the Rings? Anybody seen Lord of the Rings? Imagine we all have, right? It's a great series. It's awesome. Oliver, you've seen it? Uh, I have one movie, and I've never seen anything else. <laughs> <laughs> What's the movie? Is it PG-13? Yes. No, don't tell me. I don't want to know. All right. <laughs> tell me afterwards. Okay. In Lord of the Rings, you'll, you'll know that in the very beginning, there's the hobbits. There are these main characters, right? And, and, and the main character comes upon this ring where he has to destroy it because the bad guy will get it and everything will go bad. Well, if you're watching this, I remember I, was, I, I told my wife, I was like, yeah, my kids can see Lord of the Rings. And then the orcs came in and I was like, good Lord. I was like, turn it off. Like, they're creepy, right? These are the bad guys. These are the orcs. And they're taken over and they're taken over. And there's a part where uh, the main, one of the main characters, his name is Aragorn. And Aragorn is a guy that is the rightful king to take over for uh, the humans, right? And uh, what happens is, is Aragorn is trying to get this army together. He's trying to get all these people together. And he goes to this guy named uh, Theoden. And Theoden is a king from another area. And he, he real, Aragorn realizes that he can't do this unless he gets Theoden on his team. And so he goes up to him and he's pleading for him. He's like, hey, hey, war is coming, man. You, can you join my team? Join my ranks? 
And, uh, and Theoden ran out. He says this. He says, I will not risk open war on my people. And here's how Aragorn responds. He says, open war is upon you whether you would risk it or not. Essentially, you, you don't have a choice. We're at war. We're at war. Now, guys, I don't know if you know this or not. I preached on this a little bit Sunday. But if you're a Christian, you are at war right now. There's an enemy that is actively trying to get you. There's an, there's an enemy that is actively trying to get you to not preach the gospel, trying to get you to, he's trying to distort what you're preaching, trying to get you to say things like, well, it's not Jesus, only Jesus. It's Jesus plus other things. No, no, no. It's Jesus, only Jesus. He's trying to get you to not go to church. He's trying to get you not to invite your friends to church. This enemy is out to get you, okay? And you have to know this. Later on in Lord of the Rings, uh, eventually Theoden agrees to, to join his army, and, and they're fighting this battle together. And there's a part where the orcs are starting to kind of gain ground on the humans there, and they're beating them, and, and it looks dire. It looks, and Gandalf, right, yeah. And it looks grim, right? It looks terrible. And then Theoden, he looks over, and he's watching this battle, and he says this. Listen, he says, what can men do against such reckless hate? He feels defeated, right? He's like, what can, what can we do against this? This is, this is reckless. This is hatred. And here's Aragorn's quote. He says, ride out with me. Get on your horse and ride out with me, and we'll do it together. Now, here's what I want to encourage you guys to do, okay? We look at a guy like Stephen who had a job of just literally feeding the people, but he did so much for God, didn't he? He did so much for Jesus by giving his life, and he wasn't a big-time preacher. Now, guys, my plea to you is, is I'm going to say it just like Aragorn. I want you to ride out with me, okay? Everybody look up here real quick. Everybody look up here, all right? I want to challenge you guys. I want you to ride with me. And what I mean by that is, uh, especially this summer, where I was just telling our creative team today that my goal this summer is to get you guys so on fire for your schools that you can't help but invite people to church from your schools. You can't help but tell people about Jesus who go to your school. I was having a talk the other day with some of our leaders, and we we're like, we're like, man, how do we get in the schools? How do, what, what do we do? Do we go eat lunch there? Do we do some block parties outside? And then it hit us that we already have people inside the schools. You know who we got? It's you guys, right? You guys already go there. You guys are our Stevens, okay? You guys are these unnamed people that spread the gospel. You guys are the, are the, are the, is the guy who send the Bibles to all over the world. You guys, I don't want you to take that lightly, okay? You guys can change your schools for Jesus as long as you live a life for him. And I want to encourage you to do that, guys. Ride with me, all right? Let's do it together. I will help you as much as I can. But guys, guess what? Me and your leaders, it's impossible for us to reach the people that you guys can. It's impossible. When I was in high school, I got the influence with, uh, with the kids in my school. But then once I left high school, guess what? I don't, want, I don't have that influence anymore. You guys are in the schools. You guys are there. Right? Tell them about Jesus. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to end by, by saying this. Christianity will spread when we honor the name of Jesus, okay? Stephen honored Jesus with his life, didn't he? These disciples that when it said that they scattered because of persecution, they said that they spread all over the world, and they honored Jesus with their lives. And, and I'm going to quote to you guys the third commandment here. Does anybody know the third commandment, by the way? I'll give you a candy bar if you can tell me it right now. Go, right now. Yes, what is it? No, no you're wrong. You're wrong. All right, you owe me a candy bar, okay? No. Anybody else want to try it real quick? Yes, sir. Nope, nope, nope. Third one, third one. Anybody? Last one, last one, last one. No, I'm not giving you another chance. Yes. My man, I owe you a candy bar. I'll get you one afterwards, okay? Look at you, you scholar. 
You're not a Stephen, you're a Peter. Good job, buddy. All right. Or a Peter or John, right? So, So here's the thing, guys. The third commandment says this. You shall not use the name of your Lord God in vain, okay? Do not use the name of the Lord in vain. Now, if you guys have ever heard this command before, I remember as a kid, I grew up and I was like, oh, this means just don't say God bleep it, right? It means don't say, oh, Jesus Christ, or oh, Jesus, or oh, God, right, where you use the name of the Lord in vain. Now, listen, that is true. Don't do that, okay? We don't want you to do that. But guys, do you know that it's a lot more than that? I talked about this Sunday. If you claim to be a Christian, guess whose name you are bearing, right? Christ. I mean, the word Christ is in the word Christian, right? You are claiming the name of Jesus when you say that you're a Christian. And when this talks about don't take the Lord's name in vain, if you claim to be a Christian and you live a life that contradicts Christian claims, guess whose name you're taking in vain? Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story I told Sunday, okay? Is there's a guy named Matt Steele, right? If you've heard the story, just bear with me. But there's a guy named Matt Steele who owns a heating, and, uh, a heating company and an air conditioning company. And uh, I had Matt come over to my house once to fix my heater, and I said, I said, uh, how's it going, Matt? And he goes, dude, I'm swamped. I, got, I, got, I just got too much work. And I said, that's a good problem. And he goes, yeah, it's a great problem. And he goes, I just wish I could get, you know, I got all these people calling, and I can't get to them right away, and technically I'm losing money. And I said, well, Matt, you ought to hire people, hire some employees, you know, and then you can get more jobs and make more money. And he goes, I don't know, man. And he's got kind of a southern accent. He goes, I don't know, man. And I said, really, why? What's wrong? And he goes, I just, I've heard stories, man. I've heard the stories. And I said, well, what stories? And he had a friend who had a company who hired some young 20-year-olds. And they would go in and do the job. And while they were in there, they were, like, taking prescription medication from the homes that they were in. They were stealing money. Like, one dude left $40 on his counter, and he was just like, and just took it, right? So they found out. And Matt's friend, he was, it was his name that was dragged through the mud because his name was on the company, right? And people, they were like, I don't care about those young punks. It was this company that did it to me, right? It was this company. Now, Matt Steele, his company is called Matt Steele Heating and Cooling, I think. And he told me, he goes, I'm worried about this. I'm worried that if people, uh, that if I hire the wrong person and they go into the house and they steal these things, it's not their name that's going to be dragged through the mud. It's, people are going to be like, nope, I'm not dealing with Matt Steele Heating and Cooling. And it's his name that is taken in vain, right? It's his name that's thrown through the dirt. Guys, in the exact same way, the life you live, the way people see you, really says a lot about Jesus, doesn't it? Some of you guys are saying some great things about Jesus with your lifestyle. People are like, wow, this dude, look at him. He loves people. He's compassionate. This is great. Others, others of you guys are terrible <laughs> examples of what Jesus should be, right? And I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at myself here too, all right? But isn't it true? Like, there are times when I will do something and I just go, man, that's not a really good representation of what the name of Jesus is, right? So guys, we bear the name of Christ when you claim to be a Christian, so one more time, my plea to you, okay, just like Aragorn said, ride with me, all right? We could win Central Ohio for God. You realize this, right? We could do it. It just takes us having to be willing to stand up. It takes us having to be willing to say, you know what? It's Jesus, only Jesus, and I'm going to dedicate my life to this. So think about it, all right? Everybody close your eyes for just a minute. We'll pray here in a second, but I want you to think about it. I want you to think about somebody, just one person that is either in your school or in your neighborhood. Think of that person, okay? And think about a conversation that you can have with this person about God. Think about, could you invite him to church? Think about, could you have him come over to your house and you guys just talk about the Bible? I don't know what it is. But think about this one person, okay? 
Now, for 30 seconds, I want you to pray for that person. And actually, no, I don't want you to pray for that person. I want you to pray for yourself, okay? Pray, that, pray for boldness, that God will give you the courage to say, you know what, I don't care if I'm labeled an outcast. Take pride in that. Say, say God, I want to be the outcast. I want people to see me as somebody who loves Jesus so much that they look down on me. That's an honor. Stephen considered it an honor. So pray for yourself for about 30 seconds. Pray for yourself that you'll have boldness to talk to this person, okay? God, I pray for everybody in this room, Lord. Um, I said it earlier, I love preaching about the Acts church, the early church, God, because these were a people that were just so sold out for you that it was Jesus, only Jesus, in every aspect of their lives, God. And Lord, I just pray that, um, you know, us in here that are, um, that are, that maybe we struggle with sharing our faith, God, I pray for a boldness that comes over us. I pray for a... Uh, just, just a, a courage, God, that we are so sold out for you that it doesn't matter how people view us. God, I pray that we take that, that term outcast and we wear it as a badge of honor. That when culture looks down on us, when our society looks down on us, we don't feel bad about it, but we say, you know what, we're, we're speaking the truth. God, the ultimate way to show somebody that you love them is to speak truth to them, God. God, I, I pray forgiveness for us in this room who are not loving people the way that we should. God, give us the courage. Give us the strength. God, give us just a passion for people, God, that you had. There are no outcasts in your eyes, God, in terms of people who don't know you. I pray that we can see the people the way that Jesus saw them. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you and we praise in your name. Amen.